Well, welcome back to the Turned On Podcast. My name is David Nori, and I have over 25 years in journalism experience. And as a journalist, I covered everything from the NFL to health and wellness. I covered uh, relationships, and I did just about every story that I was ever handed. Now, covering sports is much different than most people think. There is two sides. There's always the 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 statistics and the game story. But there was other stories. They were the human interest stories. They were the, the bio pieces that I did on athletes and, and individuals. And, and I think that's what I really gravitated to because, you know, we're going to talk about just life here in general today. And I have an awesome guest. I have a guest that's going to blow your mind. His story is phenomenal. He's, he's authored seven books. And I'm, I'm going to let him tell it. But the reason why I do this intro is because I'm a big believer it's the stories. I'm a storyteller. And over my journalism career, the 25 years, I just was baffled at hearing so many people and their amazing tales of what what they had to overcome and adversity. And I think that's what people are looking for today. You know, it's no secret we're living in a world that um, there's a lot of trials and tribulations. And a lot of us think, yeah, we got a tough life. You know, I mean, every day we wake up and it feels like there's something new, especially over the last several years. Um, and I think some people have a different idea of what adversity is. And our next guest, um, it's going to be tough to beat his story, guys. He's overcome so much, and he's got such a, a fantastic wealth of information, not just in overcoming adversity, but in business and success in general. And so uh, I can't wait for you to meet him. Stick around here on the Turned On Podcast. We're going to get to it right now. Hello, and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life, in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. All right, all right. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm super excited. You know, as I sit here in the uh, turned-on home studio here, my very fancy home studio, there is uh, just an array of books in front of me. You know, Billy Graham, Louis Giglio, John Elridge, Jim Harris, uh, you name it. I have all these books, and they're all designed, really, for for one thing, to help us grow as people. I mean, that's what we're here for. If you're listening to this podcast, I know that you want to grow as a person. Now, again, I told you that we're going to talk about adversity today, but we're going to talk about adversity in so many different ways with our guest and overcoming adversity. Um, if you listen to the intro several times, you hear Angelique say, you know, sometimes in the world, the light goes dim and it's our job to find the light and turn it back on. And so my guest today has written seven books, seven books. He is the the host of a radio show in Joliet, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, uh, which is just a fantastic radio show. I talked to him the first time and probably a couple months ago, and I said, I got to have you on the show. I got to have you as our guest because your life story and your knowledge and your attitude and 
it's just it's going to give you listener it's going to give you so much uh, a breath of fresh air today it's going to give you so much to take home and think about and and really work on so without further ado brian swift how are you I'm doing great, David. How are you? I'm doing good, and and, and I want to let you give the story. I want to because there is a key here, but um, just tell me what what you've been up to, Brian. You know, I I, I like staying busy, um, so my busyness, and I like variety. So you know, after 25 years of corporate world, I stepped away from it so that I could do a multitude of other things. It wasn't that I stepped away from it because I didn't like it, or I should say I, I loved what I did. I was successful at it because I worked hard and I kept growing, but I wanted to do other things. I wanted to start a nonprofit. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to spend more time with my family. I, I wanted to get my health back. Um, I was battling some health issues and, and so and, and some hobbies that I enjoyed. So I stepped away from corporate, and that's what I do now. I I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I get, I write books. I do speaking. Um, I have my radio show on Wednesdays. Uh, I consult businesses. And so, you know, that's a multitude of, of things that I enjoy doing. I mean, outside of just family time and um, a couple of hobbies, yeah. woodworking and things that I like doing. Well, let's talk. I, I don't want to give the key component away to your story. There's there's something that happened in your life that changed everything. And we're we're gonna we're gonna tease that for a second because I want you to tell the audience what some of those hobbies are. What do you what are what are some of the things you like to do on a daily basis? Sure. So you know, um, dur- during the summer, spring, I, I do a lot of woodworking. I make live edge tables, charcuterie boards, things of that nature. Um, I still love going. Uh, you know going to the park and, and throwing a ball around with my kids and, and hanging out with them and exercising. We go for, uh, you know, five mile walks, uh, before COVID. Um, I did my first mini, well, it's, it, it's a triathlon, but it's a sprint triathlon. So it's kind of that, that small version. It's a, uh, three mile run, a, 11 mile bike and a quarter mile swim. Um, so, you know, I like testing myself. Amen. Uh, so hobbies, I, I love fishing. I love hunting. Mm. Um, I, I got into archery years ago and taught all my kids archery. Okay. So, uh, you know, all those things are things I enjoy doing. So listener, if you heard Brian, he likes fishing, hunting, uh, playing catch with his kids. He, he enjoys, uh, competing, um, sprint triathlons and and so now listen here this is important <laughs> you're going to get this uh, i'll give you the the titles of of some of his books and and then i'll give you the title of his radio show and then he's going to let you in on something that you probably don't know at this point so brian's written seven books uh first one was getting up is the key to life the second one was rising up uh then he had one uh called The Quad Father. Then he has one called Developing True Grit. And his radio show is called The Quad Father, all things inspirational. It's on WJOL, 1340 AM in Joliet, Illinois. Brian, so getting up, rising up, uh, The Quad Father, what is that all about? Well, you know, and, and, and I don't ever lead with this. And believe it or not, there are people who have been a part, you know, listen to my podcast or my radio show 
or I've known for years over Facebook that don't know this about me because it's something I don't lead off and I don't hide it. I just, you know, and I, when I, if I post a video, it might be a video. I mean, I don't hide it in a video, but I'm a C6 quadriplegic. So I just, I just don't feel a need to lead off with that. It's something that happened when I was 17. Uh, I was out the day after Christmas with my friends playing football at a park and just got tackled. Nothing horrendous. Nobody, I didn't fall on my head or neck or nobody landed on me. But for some strange reason, I broke my neck at the C6 level, which is pretty high. And at that point, I was paralyzed from my neck down. Uh, but after four months of rehab, regained a decent amount of arm uh, movement, um, no hand function. And I, if you don't know, quadriplegic means all four limbs. So technically, I'm, uh, um, you know, paralyzed from the, like, basically the chest down, but my hands still don't work. So, I like, I can't make a fist. Um, but, you know, I've spent 40 years in a manual wheelchair. I, you know, I just didn't want to use an electric wheelchair back in the day. And I think kind of was, you know, my dad's drive of like, no, no electric wheelchair. You'll figure, you know, you need to push yourself. You need to be more mobile. You need to. And so um, all, all these great things I've done and been blessed to have been able to do um, have happened after my accident. And, and I love the fact that you said I don't lead off with that. I don't lead off with it and I don't hide it. Um, you know, we could get into all these things, the technicalities about how you compete in a race, how you throw and, and all those things about hunting and fishing, you know, and, and how you do it. Cause people are probably wondering how, but I don't really want to get into the, how I want to get into the why, you know, we, we talk so much about the why in this world. And, uh, I know that your job and the reason why you're so dedicated to telling your story and having this inspirational radio show and all these books is because you want people to live their life. You want people to be able to overcome things. Uh, some of the things that you talk about is obviously overcoming adversity, uh, improving your courage and self-confidence, uh, getting past limiting beliefs. I mean, so let's start right there. You know, the why. How, why and how can you get past these limiting beliefs of people out there that I, I kind of teased it at the beginning of the show saying, we all think we have these these things that we have to get over. And, and I don't know if anybody has... Uh, that we've had on the show, we've had some really good stories, but I don't know if anyone's had to get over what you've had to get over. And and you do it in such a, a way that, like you said, I, I would never, you, you can't tell from the phone call and you, you can't even tell from your radio show. So um, how do you get past that limiting belief at the beginning? Yeah, you know, Dave, I, the first thing I lead off with is I've been really blessed. So, I, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of things and, and the first things I would say are the, the people around me. Um, my parents, you know, my sisters, my and now, and for the last 30 something years, my wife and my kids, but that all being said, um, if it doesn't come from you, the people around you don't matter. Like if you don't have that desire and that will and that drive, it doesn't matter how great the people are around you. It's got to come from you. And so my mom was my faith. You know, she drove the faith in me. My dad was that grit that drove the grit in me when I first got hurt. And, you know, my mom was like, okay, this happened. And um, we don't know why. And 
God has a reason that we'll probably never know, but this is what it is. It's like kind of, there was no it's a shame and, you know, it was just like this happened. Now what? Let's move forward. Same thing with my dad. My dad was like, okay, um, you're going to, you know, no electric wheelchair. This is what you're going to do. And it was really from tough love, especially from my father, that drove me to understand that life was not what statistically was supposed to happen to me. Because in 1979, when you broke your neck, especially as a quadriplegic, I mean, your life story, it made a Dr. Seuss book look like a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it wasn't supposed to be pretty, and I I made it pretty. Yeah, uh, and not just I didn't do it without the, my faith in God and and the people around me. And that's it, it was. It's not easy, but nothing in life is easy. Yeah, nothing and, nothing it, in life is easy. But you, but what you talk about your father and man, I love the importance of this because. Um, you're 40 years later now, right? And and what, well, let's talk about that first couple initial conversations with dad and and you as a 17 year old processing that, and and how you've come to appreciate that now. Sure. So I mean, and I use the word tough love because my dad loved me. That generation didn't express it probably like we do now. Oh yeah, for I sure. Never, yeah, they just didn't. Not, not the men, but like, I never doubted my dad loved me. It was just a, it was a different kind of expression of it. So th- this is, I, I could tell you the day, I could tell you the time. So I was 17. I was up in uh, the, the rehab, uh, which was back then RIC, which is now the Shirley Rhine, which is one of the top rehabilitation facilities. And so I got hurt the day after Christmas. It was, like January, uh, January 26th, my birthday was coming up at the end of the month and my dad came up to visit me and I was probably in not the best spirits because I'm thinking, uh, you know, and I remember probably, and I remember saying like, great, I got to spend my 18th birthday, right? You're 18. That's what sitting up here with tubes, with all these, you know, people, not the way I wanted to spend my birthday. You know, and I'm sure some other conversation went on and he got up from the table that we were sitting at and walked over, put his overcoat back on and came back and stood next to me and said, you know what, if I come up here again and you're in a bad mood and unhappy, I'm going to leave. He goes, I'm not going to come up here if you're not in good spirits. He goes, it is your responsibility to keep this family going. It's your responsibility to keep this family up and together because as you go, the family will go. You need to be up and in good spirits to keep this family going. Wow. Took off his overcoat, sat down, we had lunch, and that was all that was, I mean, we talked about other stuff, and that was it. And, and Dave, I mean, is it, I, I can, it, it's like it happened yesterday. I can remember it that much. And I knew then that I had to approach my life ahead of me differently or it would 
affect my family. And I, and I couldn't have that happen. Wow. That's, that's interesting because, you know, I'm a father and, and we see these little things pop up every day and we know how important, especially lately, you know, we look at the, at the world we're living in and the importance of, of being a present dad and being a caring dad. And, and I grew up with the same type of father where there wasn't a lot of affection or like, I love yous, but it was there, you know, the support was there. Um, the mom was the one that gave the affection. The dad was the one that gave the tough love sometimes, but it was love still regardless. So I get that part. Um, as we as we as we shift here, because that's such an important part of your story, that conversation, and you started this this whole podcast off talking about the importance of family and and what that means, and you talked about the things that you do with your family now. So, the accomplishments over the years, the things that you've done, getting into business, and and then living a life with zero limitations, even though. You, you had every reason or every excuse in the world to, to accept them, but you said no. And then how does that make you, what, what, is it, what, is you, what does your life look like today as a father? Tell me a little bit about your, your family and life as a dad for you. Oh, so blessed. Well, for, I mean, I'll go back to, you know, statistically, you know, what my life should have been. So I, I, let's move up to today. I am happily married for 33 years to an amazing woman that, yeah, I need certain care. I need help getting dressed in the morning. I need, you know, whatever. But, you know, certain, you know, certain things done. We've been through, you know, you talk about trials and tribulations, and nobody knows what each one of us goes through. Everybody bears a cross. Some we can see, some we can't. You can see me, me in a wheelchair. I'm out there functioning. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but you don't know what goes behind the scenes for anybody. That being said, you know, we went through infertility. You know, we tried, you know, we tried to have kids. I was, I was able to have the food kids, um, despite my injury and which was very unusual and, and rare, but it, it, the process process just wasn't working out so you know after like five inseminations you know we knew we wanted a family we went out and and over time we have uh, we've adopted three kids and you know my daughter's from china and my my son's from guatemala and my other son is from the east side of uh, the chicagoland area and absolutely have a rocking family um look you know I brought up my kids very similar, you know, based on, I mean, I have a mantra, faith, family, and friends, you know, and if you have a strong faith and you, you understand the importance of family and you have a few good friends, as my dad used to say, you're a lucky man. Mm. I mean, if you can put those three together, you can, I mean, you're, you're blessed. Yes. So, I mean, that's, that's what my family is. So we vacation together. We go through hard times together. We go through good times together. That's what family's about. Yeah, amen. You know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking too how how strong your voice and how strong what, what we think is. Look at our body, right? And we look at our our mind and our voice. And whether you're able bodied or in a situation where you you are limited in some way, the power of the voice, the power of the mind, the power to to affect change, whether it's in your family or whether it's in the business world, right? And we're going to get into this part because I know your, your story is much more than being in a wheelchair. Your story is, is business and really being able to achieve whatever you want. 
But think about how powerful your voice is. So let's start with raising kids. Okay, uh, how do you use how do you use your voice and your personality to be a great father when the physical part um, obviously is has limitations? I don't I don't even know how to approach that, but I think you know what I'm saying. No, I do. So, so like, I mean. And you probably were brought up this way. Life was simple. Life still is simple. We've just complicated it because life is right or it's wrong. It really is that simple. There's very little gray area. It's just we've allowed it into our lives. So for me and my wife and the way I was raised, it was black or white. Like, here are the rules. Here are the consequences. Yep. It was that simple. And so with raising kids, it was, you know, this is what we do. You know, it's 5.30, you know, we try to have dinner together or 6.30, whatever time I got home from work. Because I worked in corporate for 25 years. I got up at 5 o'clock, was dressed in, out the door by 6, to work by 7. I usually didn't get home till 6 o'clock. And, you know, it, it was then, then time with the kids because they all were active. And... I think it's important to explain, which we didn't get, Dave, probably you and I as kids, a lot of explanation from our, I mean, none from, um, very little from our, my, in my father. It was just do this and there was no, so no explanation. So with me, yes, I did probably a lot more talking with my children to explain the why of things, Mm -hmm. why I want you to do this. Why is this important to have this belief? And I mean, then just we are living examples of what we want our kids to be. I mean, it, it's that simple. I mean, if if I'm expecting my my kids to get up and do things, then I need to be getting up and doing those things with them, even though I couldn't physically do them. Like, it's just an example, my kids cut the lawn since they were probably eleven, every one of them, and I'd be out there and I tried to, I'd be edging. Now, I, you know, being in a wheelchair edging, I push the edger, you know, two feet, and then I push my wheelchair up, lock it, you know, push my hand through where I can kind of hold the on switch on, push the edger, and you do. I, I do what I can. If garbage, can, garbage cans were out there, I push the garbage cans back up the driveway with the front of my wheelchair. I would be present. Because, you know, if they were cutting the lawn, I needed to show them the best way to cut. Mm. So good. You know, and you just did it. Now, I'd be out there with my 12, 13-year-old, whatever, and parents would drive by that I knew. And they'd be like, how do you get your kid to cut the lawn? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, if I told my kid to cut the lawn, they would tell me, you know, no. Or they'd argue. I'm like, what do you mean they tell you no? Like, I'm, or they'd argue with you. Like, I. I don't understand what you mean. They, I, they, you know, I knew what they meant, but I'm like, there, there was like this. This isn't a request. This is, <laughs> this is the house. This is the, your house. You, we want to keep it up. You like it looking nice. You have responsibilities. It, 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 it God is my witness. I don't think my kids have told me. I can count the times on my thumbs. My kids have said no to me. Yeah. We are we are cut of the same cloth. We 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 definitely believe that there's there's a time and a place for um, 
for this type of conversation, and it is right now. It is in this era. If we needed uh, the responsibility, the parenting, uh, and and the setting by example. Which, if we if we transition this, I'm trying to listen intently because Brian, I can talk to you for four hours and have enough conversation and have enough material. And I'm trying to really listen intently here because there's a couple things that I want to make sure I get across to the listener. And one of the things that I just picked up on as we transition or we we blend the family conversation into business conversation, what what I'm seeing is that a simple task like mowing the lawn, edging the lawn, you refuse to say, I can't do that, despite being in a wheelchair. It took you a little bit longer. And like you said, you had to go two, two feet, lock the wheelchair, do it, go two feet. So it took you a little bit longer. So let's relate this to a lesson that you can teach in the business world. Sometimes people get things really quick. Sometimes people are successful really quick. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer for people to do that. And we've grown impatient because we live in a world that wants immediate results, immediate success. We've heard of the microwave generation. If it's not done in 30 seconds, then I, I can't wait for it and I can't do it. So perseverance, um, the ability to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this, even though I might not have the full capabilities or skill sets to do this. I'm going to do it and it'll take me longer. But by God, I'm not going to let it beat me. I'm not going to say I can't do it. So how would you speak on that in a motivational way to someone you were coaching in business? So, and, and, and this is what I deal with because it's amazing that people would set self-limiting beliefs and self-doubt and they just get stuck. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I've been there. I, I've been stuck. I, I've had questions of whether I killed or I can't. I, I just keep those things to such a short because I don't believe you have a bad day. I don't believe you have a bad year. I shouldn't say it like, I guess, let me step back. I don't believe you have a bad year, and I don't believe you have a bad month. I believe you have a bad couple hours that you let turn into a bad day, and a bad day turns into three bad days, and a bad week turns into a bad month, and I stop it. Like, even with my kids, I stop it. And when I manage people in corporate, if I saw things were going south, I stop, I mean, stop it and remind them of how talented they were or how I, I see you're a hard worker. Don't, you know, you, you got to put this behind you because life is not all sunshine and rainbows and it's just a test and you're better. You know, the term I love what? And, and, and it works so well. And I used it with something I, I haven't told you. I, co- I coached athletics for 20 years. I coached football and basketball from high school on down. My passion is coaching athletics. Nice. Do that from a wheelchair. You know what position I coached? <laughs> what? Quarterbacks. Awesome. Now, try to – I can't throw a football. Now, teach a quarterback how to throw a football. I had to know and I had to be able to communicate at a major level, how to throw a football the right way, how to set your feet, how your hips should be, you know, turning as you throw the ball, how you're, you know, and when you can explain something at that level, kids get it even better than if I could actually show them. Interesting. That is fascinating. Yeah. So now, I'll equate that to, to business. So in business, I love telling people, like I did in athletics, because it says it all. 
the term, and I've done it with my kids, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, when people would get down, when my kids would do something that was, you know, silly is, you know, not the best thing as a kid. When, you, when, you, when I would say you're better than that, it was all that Irish Catholic guilt rolled up into one little term. <laughs> And and it and, and and they looked at you and they just they almost like uh, I just let everybody down mm. and it was no you let yourself down because you're better than that yeah you you have self limiting beliefs you're better than that come on yeah I, I mean get it. that you that's true wrong. we we need to we need to really you know there, there's no one that's going to coach you like you can sometimes coach yourself and there's no one that's going to be responsible for your results than you are. Um, and, and that brings me into a question. I'm going to, I think I'm going to trigger you here, uh, in a, in a good way because we, we do think on the same level. What's your response in this day and age when people say this, ready, Brian, that's yeah. not, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. My life, my wife just laughed in the background <laughs> because she, oh, first of all, she, so my response is nobody said life was supposed to be fair. And you're right. Life isn't fair. Now what? Life's not supposed to be fair. Nobody said it was fair. I don't know anybody promised me life was fair. Yeah. You know what? And people say, people say that every single day that, 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 really have no major obstacles. They just, they don't think it's fair because it's supposed to be given to them. And here's someone in, in your situation right there who really has experienced that, you know? Um, you, you talk about coming up through the corporate world, what that was like. Um, and, and this is, again, this is, this is before the day and age where everything was rearranged and um, the American with Disabilities Act, uh, you know, was, was such a big thing. Uh, so you probably had to fight a lot harder than someone today. I just outwork people. I just, I, I outwork people. I will, if in a wheelchair, I will outwork you. I just, I just will. Um, I, I will not, and I was uh, so blessed in the corporate world. I just outwork people because, you know, part of, the, of what we had to do was typing and being on the phones and everything takes me a little longer, but I am willing to, sacrifice and like weekends every other weekend I would go into work why to catch up to make up to get ahead um, and it, it, even if it was just for four hours I used to bring my kids in with their little electric carts and let them ride around the big office which they loved right I mean it was like a big it, 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 was, it was like a big play area for them and I would do my work and and my wife would come in and We'd make a morning of it, and then we'd all go out to lunch or go out to a late an early dinner, and we'd make a, a family think of it. Kids got to come in, ride their electric cars, and do some exploring. I got to get work done. Monica would help me, and then we'd go out and have have a nice lunch or, or early dinner together and spend time together because, you know, let's, let's face it, you know, as a man, I always thought it was my job to lead the family, and I and, and the family is 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 a unit that's supposed to be spend more time together, which we don't today. Yeah, we don't communicate. Go to you know this. Go to a restaurant. Watch what's happening. 
Well, that was the inspiration for my first book. My first book turned on, you know, uh, I very early in the book, I, I talk about this story. Angelique and I were in a restaurant in Disney World, and we looked over at a couple, uh, a family actually, at a table next to us, and they had two, two boys, 10, I'm, I'm going to say like 10 and 13. Both parents were on their phone, and both boys were on a device, not just for the first five minutes or in the middle. I'm talking about the whole time. Like, we would look back 20 minutes later and go, they still are in the same position with their heads down. They're still, they're at a dinner on vacation. They're in in a vacation spot where people are supposed to relax and and supposed to be about family, and they still haven't pried themselves away from their devices. And and Angelique and I really, at that point, I think that was one of the biggest wake-up calls for us, is that family, we always knew was important, you know, um, and... My one of my favorite uh, presidents of all time, Ronald Reagan, said, "All all real change in America begins where at the dinner table." And and so I did a lot of extensive research in my book about the dinner table and how kids grow there and how they learn to communicate. and And we looked around and we said, "Hey, we we got to do this the right way." You know, I ate dinner every single night of the week. We didn't go out like back in in the that they do now, Brian. You know, we back no, in the day, you didn't have DoorDash and you didn't just go out to Chili's or whatever no. every night of the week. Mom made food, and the family the family dinner table was a place that you had to be. There was no good excuse not to be at the dinner nope. table at six thirty. Nope. And and people will say, "Oh, well, that's old fashioned. That's antiquated." And I'm like, mm, "What do you think about nope. that, Brian?" No, it's not antiquated. You know what it is? It, it's it's what this new matrix and and uh, whatever's driving this country wants, because they know if you break down the family, if there is no direction coming from good direction coming from parents, now that now they can influence and indoctrinate our kids through some of the crazy crap going on out there. Yeah, you know what? You your kids don't get educated at school. Your kids get educated at home. Amen. But, but, you know, it, it's truly that simple. Every quality, every uh, my kids know right from wrong because of what happened at home, not because of what they got from school. Amen. It's just that simple. And the breakdown of the family is why our country is such a shit mess. <laughs> have you ever thought about way. running for office? Have you ever ever you considered running? I, for- I have been asked by some people that are pretty high in politics to run for Congress to, because you know what? I'm not afraid of saying the truth because I am not here to compete with the Joneses. I'll tell you what my, my dad told, told me, told me, told us as kids into, you know, at certain times he, he, he was like, and, and this is, and, and I got it. I mean, I understood that, you know, I'm not here to be loved. I don't, I don't care if you don't love me. But you, you'll understand, you, you know, you'll under, you'll respect what we have to do in this family, and you will get it as you get older. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember saying that to my son. I don't care if I love you or not, and love my rules. Mm. You will get it when you get older. Yeah, and, and, and it is. I'm not. I mean, you know, it's like, just like being a manager, right? When you're in, I, so I was in sales throughout. You're, you're either in sales or you're one of them. One of them was in management, and if you're in management, you better. Understand, you're not going to be liked, and that's not your job to be liked. For me, my job was to develop people better than me, to make them better than me, to inspire them to be 
as great as they as great as their human potential can be. And our country, nobody wants to tell the truth, and we come up with these crazy narratives. And and it and if you look around, the breakdown of the family is truly the key. There's nothing you know because there's nothing wrong with. I mean, just think about years ago. Can you imagine moving out with a girl? My mom, my grandmother would have turned, she would have gone, I mean, no, you, you dated, you got married, then you got moved out together. I mean, there was just, now, yeah, that's old and outdated. No, it's not old. It's not outdated. It, it, it's, it's just this new narrative, and, and parents aren't parenting. That's our biggest problem. One of our biggest problems. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember um, there was something I, I shared with my brother. I have an older brother, and there was this meme or things that I, I share with him that, you know, when, when you're a teenager, you go through these stages. And when you're a teenager, you don't think dad knows anything. And then you get to this point, you know, where you're like, hey, dad knew a little bit. And then you get older, and you're like, hey, you know what? Is there anything that dad didn't know? You know, and, and that's the best part is, is that when we get older, we really have an appreciation for our parents, like you said, because they want to help us out. Um, and if we go to that now, we look for, uh, you know, our spiritual father in heaven and, and what the foundational rules were. They haven't changed. You know, my second book was about the foundational wisdom of the Bible. And, and so many people will try and teach us how to be better people today and better at business. But, you know, the foundation was laid thousands of years ago and it hasn't changed much. So, Ten simple rules. Yeah. Ten simple rules. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I just started writing a paper that might turn into a mini book called, you know, it's not easy because I was in the garage with both my sons. And we were talking and doing some woodworking. I needed some big stuff moved and some help. And I was like, you know, it's not easy being a good man. Being a good man is difficult. And just to let you know, it doesn't get easier. Oh, that's it's not truth. easy at 17. It's not easy, it's not easy at 28. It, it, and, I'm, and I was like, it, it, it's not easy at 30 or 40. It, it gets tougher to be a good man. And, though, and, they, and that is my expectations of them, yeah. to be good men. And, and it's something you don't hear anymore. And I go, and, and, they, and they know what I mean. I go, what's your last name? Swift. I go, that name has integrity and dignity and honor that started four or five generations ago and you're not and it and it's going to continue with you because that is your grandfather's last name and my last name and I'll be damned if if you're going to take that name and, and and not do anything but create the same dignity and honor and integrity that the rest of us have done with that name Amen. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I mean, you, we do carry that and, and it's important. And we, we talk about a legacy, um, you know, and even though I don't have sons, I have daughters, but I, I feel the same way. You know, they could grow up and take somebody else's name, but it doesn't take a, the fact away that they're, they're a representation of me. And, and I want th- I want to give them the best life possible uh, so they can grow up and be successful. And so as we bridge into this last half of our conversation here, uh, let's talk about success. Let's talk about business. Uh, I, I, there's so many parts of your story, Brian. Like I said, we could talk for four hours, but I really want to get to the part where we talk about business. You, you've 
you've given uh, sure. seminars, you've you've written books, you've uh, you've coached people. Let's talk about business and and what are, what is your number one rule in business, or what would you tell somebody who is starting off and uh, how to be successful? I mean, first thing, set goals, and you you would think that's so basic and fundamental, but there's so many people like, oh yeah, I know what my goals are. I go, no, have you written them down? No. Well, you know as well as I do, Dave, they, 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 writing them down gives you a 60% approximately, it, it might have changed, but a much better chance of following them and accomplishing. And you wouldn't believe the people who haven't set goals down. You yeah. know, two, I, you know, manage your expectations. So, you know, I'm a part of, I took on this new venture and it's about health and wellness. And the people that, you know, I'm trying to create a team. And the first thing I try to help them do is, one, follow the process because they've got a great process that has been proven to work. Don't invent the wheel. I try to help them manage their expectations. And I ask them what they need from me. You know, I mean, I, I can't help you if you don't know what you need help with. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I want you to be successful, if you don't want that success, and you and that may sound odd, well, who doesn't want to be successful? But there are a lot of people who want it but aren't willing to do the work. Exactly. Something is writing the goals down. So I, I start with basics and fundamentals. Everything in life is about basics and fundamentals. And some people may think, oh, God, everybody would. Well, no, you'd be surprised the people that don't have written goals and the people that haven't put together a game plan maybe or the people that just, you know, they want to reinvent the wheel when there's really not a necessity to reinvent the wheel and to understand whatever that may be, if, okay, health and wellness understand your products and or understand what you offer and what you can and can't do. And uh, I, I started the basics and then I just thought, you know, sometimes that's a minimal conversation and then drive it to, okay, well, ultimately what's your goal and let's work from there. Cause your, your goal, it's like a map, right? Your goal is yeah. your destination. Yeah. If, if you don't have, it's the same way, you know, um, all, all these mapping systems in our cars work. You know how they develop them? Backwards. Yeah. They say that all these systems were developed with the destination first, and then for whatever reason, and, and I'm not a tech guy, they were developed that, like that so that for whatever reason they had to develop them where the destination was the first thing they put in. And then it maps things out. Well, the same thing with you. What's your what, what's your destination? Yeah. I can't help you get this. You don't know what that is. Well, I, I think I think you more than anybody. That, and I'll and I'll ask you this too. Uh, overcoming no. Yeah, you you can't do that, or you, you're not going to be able to be successful with that. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. And and when when people start to, um, we talk about. Um, perception and meta perception so perception is how how you see things meta perception is how you see others viewing you and sometimes what we do is that that's the greatest killer of dreams is because we get we allow other people's projections of what we can accomplish to infect us and i think you can speak to that probably better than most oh 100 so a lot of people get in the disability community they get wrapped with the well i don't like to be seen in a wheelchair well 
I don't know what to tell you, but you're in a wheelchair and you should not feel any less like that has nothing to do with, you know, feeling good about yourself. You may not like it. You may not, just like the short person doesn't like being short. And the tall person doesn't like being tall, right? Girls with curly hair want straight hair. Girls with straight hair wish they had curly hair. Tall guys wish, you know, so, so those are things that that we all kind of have. I I think it's so surface. It's like, okay, what do you really want? It doesn't matter what other people think because here, you're in a wheelchair. Now what? What do you really want though? What do you want? You Mm. want to walk. Okay. That might happen. It might not. So just pray. Maybe one day you'll get it. Okay. So now let's move on. What's the next thing you want? Want a job? Okay. What do you like to do? And, and I, you really like statistically all the things that I've done statistically should not have been done. I, I just had to stop listening to them. Tell me what a C6 quadriplegic can and can't do because I don't think anybody truly knows my heart and my will and what I'm capable of. I don't even know if I know that. I don't know if I push myself as far as I can yet either. But I know that if I have faith and I have, you know, that I, I was blessed with the foundation of great family and friends, that I don't know if there's anything I can't do. Exactly. And, and you know. So that, that uh, meta perception. Is, is you're right. It's a killer. It's that matter perception. Like, why are you worried about what they think? That's a cop out. That's a cop out. You know what they what they think doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, um, Tim, we we were talking uh, on a recent podcast about Tim Grover. He wrote a book um, called Relentless, and uh, he was a coach in basketball. So you know, former coach. He started off as a psychological type of uh, or a physical coach, and he went into like this mental guru coaching. And he coached Jordan and Kobe. And I love one of the things in his book is he says, "I had guys that have you know uh, thrown up and and passed out in a in a drill, you know, because I ran them too hard." And you know what I do is he goes, I, I would throw a towel at him, and I'd say, "Hey, when you're when you're done cleaning your throw up off yourself, then get back into the drill." You know, in other words, like pick yourself up. Uh, it's hard. You know, we talked about parenting, Brian. Um, I, I coach my, I don't coach my girls, but I watch my girls and I try and coach them a little bit um, in martial arts. And, you know, my girl got kicked in the knee one day and, you know, she comes over and you want to show the right amount of compassion and make sure they're all right. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, well, you know what? It's time to get back in there. You're going to be okay. And, and, and overcome that, you know? Um, we, we have to have an attitude of perseverance, you know, as this greatest generation, they call it slowly, uh, passes away and it's it's really heavy on my heart because you know we just seen some of the greats like jim brown uh you know and we we look at these guys who really did build this country and really set the tone and we wonder what's coming afterward and you know we don't want to shame a younger generation but at the same time you know the admiration for the elders and what built this country is largely taken for granted and it'll be a rude awakening for a younger generation that just thinks America will always be America based on the fact that it's named America. And that is not the fact, you know, um, like Ronald Reagan again said, uh, you know, freedom uh, is only one generation away from being taken away from us. And we have to get back to grit. We have to get back to some of those things, you know, some of these guys, uh, 
in in the middle of World War II, some of the greats in the Major League Baseball, they um, you know they got called off to war and they they just dropped everything and went. And I wonder how many of our professional athletes today, if there was a major war, and, and these guys that are a fighting age in their eighteen, nineteen, of twenty that are making millions of dollars would say, "Okay, I'll go fight for my country." How many do you think? Slim and none. Slim and none. And again, uh, it doesn't do us any good, Brian, to probably point fingers, but it's a, it's a delicate balance because at some point we have we do have to have tough love, just like a parent would. Hey, you know what, guys? It's not going to work out, but at the same time, it, uh, you know, just bagging on them, bagging on them, bagging on them, pointing fingers and saying your generation is 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 soft. Um, that's going to create a disconnect too, because just like your father, there was an equal amount of love and tough love. And so let's finish off on uh, the last five minutes here, just kind of talking about that because we, we've mentioned it before, but as a father, as a boss for how many, 25 years in business, right, that you, you manage people, yeah. and now as somebody who's a motivational speaker, um, what's that right combination that you've gotten in your life and you've given between love and tough love? You, you, well, you nailed it. You have to give them both because people don't care what you know until they know that you care, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that being said, I tried to be upfront like my parents were to me in business. Yes, if I'm talking to my team, I I am built on having high expectations of people, and I'm going to push you. But understand something. Whatever you need from me, I will give to you. So you need to let me know what you need from me. This is what I need from you. I need, you know, it, and back then it wasn't even like I need you to be on time. People knew that. You know what I mean? People knew that. People people showed up, you know, on, if you started at 7 o'clock, they were there at 645. And, but I do do this. I, on Tuesday night, once a month, I, we stay late and we bond as a team and I've Maybe, you know, bringing pizzas and we, we, we will have a blitz night and, and I'm here to, you know, go over those tough situations with you or help, you know, role play or help you write uh, whatever you need. So, and then hold them accountable. I mean, because if you don't hold, if, if, if idle, 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 I don't, and they weren't threats, but this idleness of saying, idleness of consequences gets you nowhere. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden nobody care, nobody worries because there's no consequence. I hold people to the consequence. Yeah, that that's that simple. Just like I did my kids, just like I do a team. You know, you're you just life. It, it is we're preparing our kids for life, and yeah. life is not all sunshines and rainbows. When a kid goes through 21 years of getting everything they want and not having to work for it. And then they go out, and that's why we have a mess now where, well, I, I don't want to go into work. I'm working from home, or I'm going to quit. Yeah. It's a 21-year-old pouting because they're not getting their way. There's <laughs> four, it's a 40-year-old pouting because they're not getting in their way. You know what? If, if You know what? Fine. You're fired. See ya. Yeah. Go find somebody else. But I know <laughs> that's not an easy situation. Yeah. So there does, you're right. There's got to be a balance. And you got to show them love. And it doesn't. What I learned early is it could be something as simple as I, I'd have people that were just doing awful, 
and I pull them in, and and I'd be like, "Hey Sam, man, I know you're working your 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 ass off. I see you. I'm you know, I hear you, man. Keep your head up, and I I know you're not where you want to be, but you just you know it's going to turn around. Just do keep doing what you're doing, bud. You know it's going to be okay. Just you know something as simple as that. Yeah." means the world to a person. Yeah, like a coach. You're a coach. You know, a, a coach that, is a father. A coach is a father and vice versa. A father's 100%. a coach. Absolutely. 100%. Well, well let, let's end it here. What is your definition of prosperity? That's what, my final question to you, Brian. Your definition of prosperity. If someone were to ask you that, especially a young person right now or somebody on a team who uh, just comes onto a team and they're looking to succeed and and they they believed in you, and they said, "Okay, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to use you as my mentor and my coach." And they say, "Well, Brian, what do you think that definition of prosperity really is?" For, for me, my definition of prosperity goes back to my faith, family, and friends, and that is continually growing my faith and having a good relationship with God, having a great relationship with family, and continually moving forward in my business endeavors. Now, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. So my idea of being prosperous is being to move forward in helping others, move forward in helping my family, moving forward in in my own goals, and moving forward in my faith and continually relying on that that's my that would be my definition of being prosperous is moving forward in all those endeavors amen i love it and and i i second that i stamp that and i would say that again i could talk to you for four hours i I think we're going to have you back on the show there's so many things that you and i uh have have opened here that we can discuss further um but that's all the time we have for today guys i want to let you know that if you want to hear more from brian and you want more inspiration and you want more coaching he can be found on youtube it's the quad father q u a d f a t h e r i love that name um he is uh has his own website it's www.brianpswift.com uh, where else can they find you some of your books and things on amazon brian Yep, I'm on, I'm on Amazon. Uh, I'm in Barnes and Noble. You could find me on LinkedIn. You could find me on Facebook. You could find me on Instagram. Uh, Brian Swift, pretty simple name to remember. Uh, reach out to me, and for anything. And, and what, uh, one more thing, know, I'd, I'd be remiss without mentioning, and this I think is extremely important for people that have um, people that they know with that have some type of disability, you are the founder of what's called SOAR, S-O-A-R. Briefly, uh, briefly, just tell us about that and where they can find more information. Sure. SOAR stands for Swift Outdoor Accessible Recreation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. What we do is we help people get back outdoors and do the things they love. If that's something like hand cycling, we help them get a hand cycle. If it's a therapeutic trike and, and it's, the insurance doesn't pay for these things. We'll do that. If you want to do photography, but you need, you know, an attachment for your wheelchair to hold the camera, we'll help you get that attachment. If you want to learn to sit ski and, and cause you used to ski before we'll, we'll, we'll collaborate with somebody in Colorado and get you out there sit skiing. And they could just find us at Swift Outdoor Accessible Recreation, S O A R. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in person soon when we come up there to the uh, to the Midwest. Um, are you yeah. a Bear, are you a Bears fan? I am. I, I like. I am a Bears fan, but I I love great quarterbacks. Oh. So I, I <laughs> well, that says it all. I like great quarterbacks. So I love Peyton Manning. I I love Tom Brady. I loved uh, before Aaron Rodgers. I I was a big Brett Favre fan. Give me a great quarterback to watch. I just love watching. Oh, that. that's cool. Well, you know, I grew up in Miami in the Dan Marino era, right? Great uh, quarterback. Yeah. But I wore number nine. Think about it, Brian. Do you know why I wore number nine? Was he a receiver? No, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. It, oh. Jim, I just love Jim McMahon, and, and I played quarterback, and I'm like, I'm going to wear number nine. Where most kids in, in South Florida wanted to wear number 13, I was like, I'm a McMahon guy. Oh, so that'll tell you a little yeah, something about you guys me. Still have, you guys still have bragging rights, man. The only perfect season. And I was at that game in 1985 with my father. I think I was 13, 12 or 13 years old when the Bears came in, and I remember it was in the old Orange Bowl, and I said, Dad, is this stadium going to hold up? It was it's still to this day. I've been to two national championship games in football, and I've been to two Super Bowls, and I've been to, you know, I covered the NFL, so I've been to countless, countless games. To this day, I've probably been to 200 NFL games and championship games. Oh, to this awesome. day, I've never been to a game that, that was that loud and that raucous as the Orange Bowl was that night. And, and we would have had a replay in the Super Bowl, but... The Dolphins lost to the New England Patriots, who were the wild card that year, in Miami in the AFC Championship game because it rained in Miami terribly the night before, and I think the Dolphins fumbled like three or four times, and it just wasn't our year. We just could not stop Clayton and Duper. I mean, you guys had some. You guys had killer receivers back then. Yeah, and well, six degrees of separation. You know. Uh, the Nick Bonacani went into the help fire up the Dolphins that night. You know he was a big big time member of the seventy two um, yep. seventy two undefeated Perfect. team, and his son Mark uh, is is still to this day dedicated to uh, spinal cord uh, rehabilitation and research. Yes, the Bonacani Foundation. I I have followed them. I have been a part of that. Um, they do wonderful things, absolutely wonderful things. So. Well, again, we could talk forever, but I want to just thank you yeah. one more time. Um, and, and Brian, from the bottom of my heart, God bless you. God bless your family. And God bless you for being a great dad in the way you raise children. Let this be a lesson to you. Share this podcast, guys. Turned on. We'll see you next time. Thank you, David. Thank you.